Hello, this is Ron Clark from Kairos Church Planting, and you are listening to the second season of the God of Second Chances podcast. It's good to have you again with us as we look at the third major prophet. As you might know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel are called the major prophets. Now remember, this is part of the bigger collection, the Navim, which is the prophets, and you have the former, which is the history books, and we saw where Joshua judges 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, and then you have the latter, which would be the major prophets, the first three, uh, as we're looking at this time, followed by what's known as the minor prophets, the remaining prophets of pre-exile and exile and post-exile in the nation of Israel. Now, why are we calling these the three major prophets? Well, you can tell as you read through Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. These are books with 60-some chapters, 50-some chapters, 40-some chapters. There's a lot of material in these prophets. But these prophets are also powerful representatives of God. As we mentioned with Isaiah, he warned them in the pre-exile, and then the book of Isaiah carries on through the exile. We saw with Jeremiah, he also is warning them in the days of King Josiah, preparing for exile, and he is taken captive with his secretary Baruch, or his scribe, to Egypt, uh, where we believe the Elephantine community formed. There were three communities before Christ uh, throughout the world. There was the major community of Jerusalem. There was the ones that were in Elephantine, and then there was another one considered the northern kingdom, Samaria. But before all of this, uh, Isaiah was proclaiming and warning the people. As Jeremiah came and continued that warning and that preaching, Ezekiel, another uh, prophet who was actually a priest, was taken captive to Babylon. As we read Ezekiel, he is actually in Babylon, captive with the remaining people in exile. An interesting thing about Ezekiel, if we were to study a little bit of the history behind Ezekiel and were to discuss the psychology, as many of my colleagues do with Ezekiel, he would be considered a trauma survivor. He would have witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem. He would have witnessed the violence and the war and the death. And through that trauma, he would be considered a trauma survivor. In fact, many of his visions are very graphic. They're very detailed. They're very picturesque. And uh, many of uh, my colleagues have suggested that this is part of the response of trauma survivors. Post-traumatic stress can cause in many people these vivid, wild dreams. This is not to say that God did not communicate with him in these dreams, but it is to suggest that his way of communicating with God, his experience with God, is deeply informed through his trauma. 
And if we understand Ezekiel as a trauma survivor, you can understand why when, for instance, in the earlier part of the book where he witnesses, or as it is shown in chapter 8, is taken to the temple to see uh, the injustice and the idolatry that's going on, he becomes very weak. You can see Ezekiel at times becomes stressed, becomes very weak, overwhelmed. He is suffering from the trauma that he not only experienced, but that he sees from God. Ezekiel was a man who carried this pain. He carried this suffering. In fact, in the very beginning of the book of Ezekiel, the beginning chapters, he is given a call. He is told to preach to the people. He sees God as a wheel within a wheel. He sees a very vivid vision of God on the throne. He is given a call and he is told that people will resist him. People will, will attack him. People will ignore him. But in chapter 3, he is told, you must warn the people. You are a watch person. You are a person who is to tell people that they are to repent. You are the person in chapters 2 and 3 who are to let people know that God has sent them a message. In chapter 33, he describes this as the watch person, the person watching over the city. If you don't warn people, you are guilty of their blood when they are killed in battle. And therefore, Ezekiel was a, a man, a priest, who was called to warn people. And yet, the important thing about this warning is there was a purpose behind that. In Ezekiel chapter 18, God has this story with Ezekiel. He tells Ezekiel to talk to the people. The people are complaining in captivity. We're here because our parents messed up. We're here because it's not fair. We're suffering the consequences of other people's sins. Or they, as they would say, the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children, their teeth you know, are, are hurting, or they're set on edge, or they're gritty, as we would say. There's a very, very a dirty feeling to our teeth because our parents ate sour grapes. But Yahweh says that's not the case. And he tells the story. If a person uh, is guilty of sin, their children are not going to suffer with them. Or, as it says, the soul that sins is the one who will die. Chapter 18 of Ezekiel, verse 20. The son will not share the guilt of the father, nor the father share the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous one will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. In this chapter, it's very clear. God says, while you may be in captivity because of your parents, you are also guilty of your own sin. But, verse 23, do I take pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Yahweh? No, I am pleased when they turn from their ways. But if a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits sin, does the same detestable things and the wicked man does, will he live? None of the righteous things he's done will be remembered. Because of the unfaithfulness he is guilty of and because of the sins he has committed, he will die. Yet you say the way of Yahweh is, is not just. Hear, O house of Israel, is my way unjust? Is not your ways unjust? Verse 29, again they say that. The way of the Lord is not just. Are my ways unjust, O house of Israel? 
Is not your ways unjust? Therefore, O house of Israel, I will judge each one of you according to his ways. Repent, turn away from your offenses. Then the sin uh, will not be your downfall. Verse 32, I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Yahweh. Repent and live. Interesting things about this passage. First of all, we typically see repentance as a negative term. People are told to repent. People are told to change their ways. And sometimes that term has been used in a very negative way. One group of individuals that I appreciate uh, are the people who are in recovery ministries or recovery groups. They are trying to overcome uh, chemical addictions, sexual addictions, alcohol addictions, drug addictions, other forms of addiction. And what's important in these um, anonymous groups or these addiction recovery groups or these celebrate recovery groups is the phase of making amends. That's the point when you make amends, you make things right or you try to confess repentance to another person who you've wronged. The interesting thing about making amends is hopefully they'll forgive you and then they can move on and you can move on. But if they don't forgive you, you still have to move on. The issue of making amends is not about you, it's about the other people you've hurt. It's about making things right. Repentance to those communities has a tremendous level of healing because it helps you to deal with your shame and your guilt. Repentance is not a negative term. Repentance is a positive term. It is a way to deal with the sin in our lives. Here, God is saying, look, I don't want to punish people for their sin. I want them to repent. Often people think of God as this angry ogre who's trying to uh, get pleasure out of us suffering. But actually, God is a God who wants us to change our ways, wants us to live, and wants us to repent. Even more, we are not held guilty for the sins of our family. And that is a very powerful, powerful story. A second part about this is not only that repentance is, is healthy, is healing, but that we are not held guilty for the sins of our family. You may have grown up in a family where there's alcohol or there's drugs, or maybe there's been violence, or you've witnessed uh, you know, an, an dysfunction in a marriage, or you've seen some very horrible things done, or maybe somebody in your family sexually hurt you or physically hurt you. And often people think, am I doomed to repeat the pattern of my family? Well, we might be used to living in that kind of an environment, but the promise is that we can change, that we don't have to be like our family. The promise is also that we're not held accountable for the sins of our family. We may suffer for that, but God wants to create something new. A third point to this is not only that repentance is, is a positive, healthy thing, or that we don't have to be held accountable for the sins of our families, but the concept in Christianity of original sin, meaning that we're all born sinners because of the sin of Adam, really doesn't fit within this text. In fact, this text would say that's the, it's the opposite. We are not held accountable because of Adam's sin. Now, does this mean that uh, we're, we're born uh, with a predisposition to sin? Yes. It means that as human beings, we have 
free will and we have the choice to free will and that we will make the decision to turn against God and to sin. But there, there, there's a difference between that, us choosing to sin and the day when we are accountable for our sin and considering a baby that's born a sinner. This is why with Cairo's church planting and in many of the movements we have in the churches of Christ, as well as many other uh, churches, we don't baptize babies. Babies can't make the decision to repent of sin. Parents might do that for them, but we believe that baptism a decision an individual makes. We believe that repenting from sin is something that an adult uh, is held accountable for, not children. In fact, there's a tract in early Christianity, the epistle to Aristides, that, that says, um, if a baby or an infant dies among them, they rejoice because it left this world sinless. And this was written before infants were considered to be baptized. The interesting thing about this text is I'm not, I, I'm not responsible for Adam's sin. I am born uh, with a predisposition to sin. And I am born to choose sin because of Adam. But there's a time in my life as an adult when I'll make the decision to repent of that. And that's when we offer baptism as well as, as was done by the early church for so many centuries. An interesting point in the gospel or, or in the book, excuse me, in the book of Ezekiel that somewhat reinforces this idea of repentance is, is in Ezekiel 37, the story of the valley of the dry bones. And I remember uh, we used to sing that song with the kids when I was a youth minister, the hip bone connected to the thigh bone, the thigh, you know, so forth. And them bones, them bones, them dry bones. And what's happened is in Ezekiel 37, the nation of Israel is seen in the vision as a slaughtered field bones and, and dead bodies all in a field. This again is, is Ezekiel's post-traumatic stress and his vision that he sees of God. And he sees this horrible uh, you know, pile of dead bones, dead bodies. Reminds me of a, a brother in, in a church where I was at who flew helicopters for NATO and who was a Black Hawk a helicopter pilot in the Air Force. And he told me one time in the Bosnian conflict that he flew to a city to evacuate people and he said there was an Olympic sized swimming pool, three of them full of dead bodies. He said it helped, it made me realize how serious this conflict has been and how awful human beings can be. Well, that's what Ezekiel sees, bodies strewn out all over the ground. And yet in the vision, the Holy Spirit, you see, he, the Holy Spirit breathes life. The Holy Spirit moves. The Holy Spirit raises them up to be a mighty army. And in verse 14 of 37, I will put my spirit in you. You will live and I will settle you in your own land. God's desire was to bring people home. God's desire was to bring people to life. God wants repentance so that we might come to life. I don't know where you're listening to this podcast. And maybe you're in prison and you're feeling a tremendous amount of guilt and shame over the decisions and the choices you've made. Or maybe you're sitting in an office not wanting to go home because you know your family's not there. They've left because you've not been the kind of spouse that you should have been. Or that you don't want to go home to your family because there's anger and violence 
and you're afraid, then I want you to know that the God of second chances is there to offer life to all people, is there to offer safety, that we are not responsible for the sins of others. We make decisions. We can choose ourselves to be who God has called us to be. And we can make those changes in our lives. The God of second chances wants to pour out a spirit that brings life and brings healing. And I want to encourage you to find a, a congregation, a church near you, where you can be a part of a community. And that community together through the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the life of God and, and, and the wonderful influence of godly men and women can help your life to heal. That God wants repentance so that we might live. God wants change that we might live. God wants us to be free from the sins of others and the choices of others that we might reflect God's glory and find peace. I'm Ron Clark with Kairos Church Planning Support, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen and remind you to go in peace, love God, serve others, and remember the God of second chances. I'm Ron Clark from Kairos Church Planting Support, and I want to thank you for listening to the God of Second Chances podcast. We've been in the midst of doing some exciting things with uh, our discussions on YouTube on uh, bias, racism, and ministry. If you want to know more about that, you might want to check out our, our website uh, at agapecoc.com backslash, or hashtag, backslash podcast singular. And we'll have links to that, uh, to those YouTube discussions. We've been enjoying those. Please feel free to email us at podcast at agapecoc.com. And we would be glad uh, to answer any of your questions. But for now, go in peace, love God, serve others, and remember the God of seconds.